welcome to this podcast designed to help aspiring teachers take those fearful first steps with courage and determination. My name's Andrea. I've been working in the TEFL industry for many years in various roles, including head of studies, director of studies, teacher trainer, and as a freelance teacher. If you've ever felt nervous about starting out as a new teacher, you're not the only one. So many people are taking those fearful first steps after gaining their certificate, but you don't have anything to worry about. Here you're going to receive tips, tricks and useful tactics that will set you up for success in your job in the TEFL industry. During this podcast, I'm chatting to Bernie McGuire. Bernie has worked in the world of English learning in Spain for more than 40 years, with the majority of those years working in the British Council. In the last 10 years, she's been working as an advisor in universities at a national level. She's with us today to help you get to grips with understanding your students' levels, A1 through to C2, by using the Common European Framework of Reference for Languages. So welcome, Bernie. Lovely to have you join us on this podcast. And lovely to be here. Thank you very much for inviting me. Oh, absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. So as I said in the introduction, I've told obviously the listeners a little bit about you already. But Uh now that you're here, I'd just like to introduce the fact that you're going to be talking to our listeners about the Common European Framework of References for Languages. But yes, bef- that's correct. Yeah, but before all of that, we just want to get to know a little bit about you. Okay. So could you tell us, Bernie, why did you choose teaching? I chose it because I think it is one of the most exciting jobs. I chose it because I, I like people. I like kids. Uh, I love language. And I like sharing knowledge with them. And more importantly, I like learning from them. And I always did from the beginning. I always found my students fascinating and I continued to find them fascinating the rest of my life. So <laughs> that's why I chose Wonderful. it, I think. That's a very good reason to choose teaching. I know that now that you're officially retired from working from the British Council, that's right. yes. um, but you do get involved in other projects, I- but I'd love to know, what did you enjoy most about working for the British Council during those 30 years yes. that you were there? I enjoyed everything I did there, the different roles I had. But what I always enjoyed most were the the kids, were the students. I occasionally taught adults, but for the most part, I taught teenagers and and younger kids. And it's funny, really, because teaching adults is a lot like teaching kids, to be honest. So the actual contact and all the communication that goes on in the classroom and the sort of frontline stuff was what I really enjoyed. Towards the end of my career, my activity changed. So uh, I was lucky enough to get a job as an advisor or actually on issues related to the Common European Framework at universities. And I enjoyed that enormously. It was very different from the direct contact with the students, but it was enjoyable. And I traveled a lot and it was it was great fun. But what really, what I really loved was teaching the students. That was my favorite aspect of my professional life, I think. 
Fantastic. Well, it's, it's lovely that you've had such a varied set of projects or career during those 30 years with the British Council. Uh-huh. I'm, sure that, I'm sure that kept you busy and kept you entertained. Yes, it certainly did. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Certainly and did. I love the fact that you mentioned there that teaching adults is a bit like teaching kids. I think uh, we're all kids at heart, aren't we, really? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Never changes, does it? <laughs> no, never changes. You mentioned about teaching in general there and that the students were obviously the highlight of your your teaching career. But what was your favourite age group to teach and why? Okay, my favourite age group was always the teenagers because I found them like really refreshing and they kind of keep you into touch with what's going in, what's going on in, in their world, which is if you as an adult, you you may think you know about how they tick, but you don't actually know. And I never found out how they tick, really. But so my particular favourite group were teenage beginners because they'd often um, studied English for quite a few years and yet they were still very, they still had a fairly low level. And so that necessarily meant they had issues and problems. And I always found it interesting to find out what those what those problems and those issues were those 14, 15-year-olds with a low level, they were my favourite type of student. I'm sure, Bernie, you've got some really wonderful memories of your time at the British Council as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, could you tell us a story about something that happened to you or something memorable during your, your teaching years there? Yes, there's one, there's one thing always springs to mind when people ask me, you know, about curious or strange things that happened whilst teaching. This was a, a group of, um, of university teachers, professors and, you know, very clever people that we were teaching English to in order for them to then be able to provide their courses in in English. So we had a class and the, the, this class, they were fairly, fairly low level. I think they'd probably be like A2 going towards B1. Anyway, they were mostly older teachers because in their time, it, it had been French. Like they learned French at school. Anyway, so we, the, the teacher, we had a great teacher, you know, teaching them because they were quite difficult to teach because, of course, they were used to teaching themselves and they knew a lot about everything. Anyway, in this group, in this group there was an older gentleman. He would have been probably in his early 60s and he was a professor of the history of thought. So he's very clever in that area and he spent the class the course uh, doing all the work but he never spoke in class so at the end of the academic year he fa- he failed uh, because he hadn't spoken in class and he was absolutely furious how could it be possible he was a professor of the history of thought and for you know people like him were very clever and, and they and he had latin and he had ancient greek and he and he knew all these languages and he was all, he knew all these things and he was like terribly clever. Anyway, the teacher rightly refused because he did not speak. But for him, for the professor himself, the fact that he did not speak was of no consequence whatsoever because knowing a language was looking at it on the page and, and knowing what it was all about and uh, reading it, not talking about it or, or using it for communication. So... 
that was uh, caused all kinds of trouble at I the university. Imagine. Why, in the end, what we had to do was to, he complained to the rector about the teacher. It was, wow. it was quite dramatic. So in the end, we put on a special course, a special communication course for, for, him, for him, basically, <laughs> and uh, others like him, so that they could actually stop panicking really and understand that the very basic concept for us as teachers which is language for spoken communication so that's a bit that was a bit the sign a sign of the times that he had lived you know 40 years previous to <laughs> well we'd love to, to know whether he passed in the end did he get we a... did in the end he, did, he passed in the end <laughs> He passed in the end. I mean, he helped a lot along the way, and he was on the point of retiring. The the, the one of the the vice rector said to me, "Really, you know, this is a diplomatic exercise, but the idea of learning a language in order not to speak it seemed perfectly acceptable, acceptable. and normal to him." Wow! Yeah, <laughs> great story. <laughs> I'm sure this probably happens to this day still as well in some situations. I dare say. I dare say. Less and less, I would hope, but I dare say. Well, that was really lovely to hear a little bit of your your journey through the British Council. And you yeah. mentioned earlier about the common European framework, which we're talking about today in general. And given that you've got such great teaching experience, that today's podcast is going to be awesome for our new teachers who are listening in to get some information about what is this common European framework yes. reference and, and what does it mean and, and how as a new teacher can they use it so that they can be successful in their job? Okay, it's a framework of descriptors of the different language levels divided into six levels. A1, A2, B1, B2, C1 and C2. It does not include linguistic content like in the old days you would uh, um, a, a program a language program would include a certain amount of vocabulary certain aspects of grammar like it used to back in the old days it used to start off with the present perfect for some re really weird reason which is a very complex concept in English but it doesn't do that what it does is it describes what a student should or be able to do if they are at a certain level. And it, it, the descriptions take the form of can-do statements. So a student can uh, write a letter of introduction for a job. A student can explain who they are and what they do for a living. A student can, et cetera, et cetera. So they, the, the, this is a very important aspect of the Common European Framework, the can-do statements, okay? So it's not they should do, uh, they must study, they must be able to uh, use the present uh, perfect or the third conditional. No, nothing like that. It's they can do X, Y, or Z in whatever language we're talking about. And in this case, obviously we're talking about English. It's okay. a common basis that reaches across all Europe and reaches across all teachers. It's for 
old, older teenagers and adults. It's not contemplated, although there are there is work on the Common European Framework for younger children, and it describes in a comprehensive way how learners come to develop the language for communication and the knowledge and skills that they need in order to act effectively at a certain level. So the levels are A1, A2, B1, B2, and B1 and B2 will be the ones that no doubt um, teachers who are starting out will be, will uh, have heard a lot. B2 is a sort of benchmark for many situations. And then advanced, the, the advanced levels are C1 and C2. So that is right. basically it, a description, a framework mm. which is set out as a framework which you can look at and decide whether your students are at this, that or the other level in this, that or the other skill. Perfect. I mean, what a useful document that's going to be for new teachers, yes. because I remember going back to when I first started teaching Everybody wants to know what what's my level or all the academies want to know what are the students levels. And when you first start out, that, that's quite challenging because you're like, yeah. I don't really know if I understand myself exactly what yeah. the levels are. And it does take experience and practice and, you know, um, working in different classes and groups to really mm. define that. But this sounds like a really useful document then, Bernie, to, to help it people. Is. It is. It's an immensely useful document. What is useful is to start dipping into it and understanding basically what it's about. And the more you dip into it, the more useful you'll find it. Right. And the more interesting you find it, it's fascinating. What isn't useful is to expect yourself to read it and understand everything from the word go. But little by little, you teachers, new teachers will probably find it one of the most interesting documents that they've ever read. If they, if they, enjoying their subject and they they're enjoying the observing and witnessing the the progress of their students they'll find it more and more useful as time goes on and it will help them sort of work out the, those conundrums that stay with us you know sometimes for months and years even about why something is working or why something isn't working um, and ways and ways around that and also it gives you as a teacher it gives you it gives you very clear aims very clear so you know what you're heading for you know what your you know you know what where your ambition is for your students and you know where that exactly where that is in the four skills and so if you know your students can do can do you know the word can do is is the, the expression can do is probably the most important expression in 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 the whole of the 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 document if your students can do those things that you've got down in black and white in front of you they've done it they've cracked it they are at that level whereas it is not useful to know whether your student can use the third conditional it just does not work like that at all and what's been the idea behind creating this framework then, Bernie? Tell us a bit about that. Yes. 
the idea right behind it, right behind it, is to contemplate a sort of myriad of linguistic situations across Europe in terms of language competence and ability to, to speak different languages and to provide a backdrop and a document that would, would ferment the, lang the learning of different languages across the continent. Now you could say, and I believe it is, or a almost a, like a political document. It's to sort of try and provide some coherence behind the European project, which was necessary when it started out and continues to be necessary uh, nowadays. So the Council of Europe, um, what the Council of Europe wanted to do was to get uh, students, to get young people and older people as well, to take an interest in other languages and to be able to communicate with each other across borders. So that was the idea. It was a bit, it was a bit political for this reason. Um, then it was also academic and linguistic. It was in order for that to happen, the teachers of those children, of those young people, they had to find a way to communicate with each other um, correctly. And they had to be able to understand each other when talking about the language teaching profession. And in order to exchange information and in order to understand each other, they needed something to keep them together, hence the word common. It's the same in all languages. So the levels are the same in all languages and they should be, and for the most part, they are understood as being the same in all languages. Whereas previously it would be upper intermediate, middle intermediate, lower intermediate, well, what exactly did that mean? Nobody knew what that meant, but now with the common European framework, they know, we know what it means. And if we don't know, we can look and find out what it means. Fantastic. And and as you mentioned there about looking and finding out what it means, what would you suggest to our new teachers to to do after this podcast in terms of accessing information or, or being able to know a bit more about these uh, framework? OK, yes. I would suggest that uh, new teachers start off with two documents, which are very with, with two uh, grids, two diagrams, in fact. One of them is, uh, it's a document which contains the basic uh, descriptors of the different levels, A1, etc. And that's called the global scale grid. Okay, they need to look at global scale grid. It's one page and or two. And it's a grid, it's a, it's a framework with straight lines down and straight lines across and very, very clear language inside where the, the basic competences of the different levels is expressed very clearly and very succinctly. There's that. And there's also equally important and equally, if not more useful, the self, what, what's called the self-assessment grid. The self-assessment grid is the same thing except for the student. The student 
I can do this, I can do that, I can explain, uh, I can narrate a story, I can explain my point of view on whatever it is. That, that way, it's not just the teacher who understands clearly what, what the aims of whatever course it is they're teaching, but the student can refer back to the self-assessment grid and judge for themselves whether they can do X, Y, or Z, the, whether they can perform these tasks that are reflected in the, in the grid. Again, it's a very simple document. That would be a good place to start. Fantastic. Now, I've got a web page here where right. they can find a, the, the latest document of the Common European Framework, which is actually called, it's called the Companion Volume. The companion volume of the Common European frame, Framework. If you like, I'll, shall I shall I read it out yes, to you? Please. The web page that yes, they should. Please. So it's uh, www.coe colon int forward slash lang as in lang hyphen cefr as in Common European Framework. Of reference. Well, that's good okay. that you mentioned that actually, because it is commonly referred to as CEFR as well. I think that's the first time we've mentioned during this chat the the acronym. Yes. So yeah, it's good. It is. Mm -hmm. It is. In there, they'll they'll find these um, the grids that I'm talking about. Once new teachers start using these two grids, they'll find that there are dozens of other grids. Uh, which later on they'll be able to dip into as well, because this the, the other grids break down the different domains what and the different tasks. Okay, so the um, the self assessment grid and the global scales grid that that's your your that's where you start. But then if you're looking at a particular domain, imagine you're looking at language for uh, technology or or whatever it is you're doing there will there will be a grid for that as well okay there, there's another aspect of the common european framework which is uh, which is important to keep in mind in a way how we look at language is what can i do in a certain language but then a very important aspect of it is how well can i do that Okay, and it's the combination of these two ideas which make us a rounded uh, language teacher. How can I get my students to do something well? Okay, and the interplay between those two aspects is also very important. I'm just going to mention the, 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 the question of the jagged profile. A jagged profile is when a student, uh, we are all jagged, pro, we're, we're all speakers and users of language with jagged profiles because we're better at some things than we are at other things. I mean, this just doesn't happen in, in a foreign language. It happens in one's own language. So some people are great at talking. Some people are wonderful communicators and some people communicate in different ways. Uh, some people are brilliant at writing. Some people are hopeless at writing and yet they're really good at speaking. Some people love uh, reading 
and other people are not so good at inferring what's implied in a, in a complex text, for example. Some people find it really, really difficult to understand. So they find listening difficult. And it's not for it because they're particularly good, bad or indifferent at these things. It's just, it's all part of human nature that this should be the case. So, you know, you did the story about when two people go into a meeting and, you know, they come out of the meeting and one, one, one of them, one of the people thinks that the, that the, the answer was yes. And the other person thinks the answer was no. Well, there's obviously there's something going on there, you know, was it clear what happened? Did the person hear properly? Did the person understand properly? Language is so complex and so, um, uh, interesting in that way and so diverse hugely diverse so students will have what we call a jagged profile i.e a typical jagged profile might be b1 in speaking b2 in uh, reading uh, b2 in listening and b1 in writing let's say so they'll have achieved imagine if you're teaching a b2 course and you know that your student does have this jagged profile, which they all will have. And the student themselves know that they have this jagged profile, which they probably don't realize. But once they know, they know that those areas, those skills are the ones that they'll probably need to work on. Um, and you'll pro you, you as a teacher will probably need to help them with. But it's important that they realize that that's normal, that it, that that isn't a problem, that that happens in our own language. You know, some people are very are quite taciturn and, you know, don't like speaking. Other people, other people talk and talk till the cows come home. Uh, so that is perfectly normal. They will all, in Spain, students always think they can't speak or they speak really badly, or their pronunciation is terrible, and they're never going to be able to speak. Um, that, so you can kind of expect that kind of a jagged profile. But some of them won't, re won't realise um, that it's possible to actually improve that, you know, and they think, so it helps them when they see what they actually can do in speaking, let's say. When they see what they actually can do, it's possible that they won't be doing it very well. But when they can see they, they actually can do things that possibly they th thought they weren't going to be able to do, it helps them aim. It helps them aim for, what, for where they want to go. Because anyone can hit B2 across those skills. To get up to C1, for the most part, is also possible. But think once you get above C1, let's say, and then C2, of course, that will depend on your general level of education. You know, it's not just it's not just your your language competence. Um, so, um, so, so what I've kind of deemed from some of that information, Bernie, going back to the, the new teachers, whilst the framework is there and it's really useful for them and for their students, they also need to be flexible with it. So they shouldn't just put everyone in one box. And no, so, although no. we do do that in classes, we do have you a have general to. level, well, you but have we to. shouldn't put them in boxes. No, definitely not. You, you have to put them into boxes up to a point because you've got to get the groups that are vaguely similar together, but by no manner of means are they all going to be the same.
or anything like it. So you've mentioned this information on the website and the grids and everything that'd be really uh-huh. useful for a teacher. Is that mm-hmm. something that the teacher should and can or would use in the classroom with students or is it just much more for their references learning to grow as a teacher? I think you it's this document is something you would never use in the classroom right. as such. Um, except the self-assessment grid, which which might be useful. The Common European Framework and the, its content sits behind a lot of, um, most of the textbooks and exams that the teachers are likely to encounter. So that's already done for them. I think more than anything, it, the Common European Framework document serves as a background for teachers' understanding. So, so, but, but no, I would say definitely not take it into the classroom ever. You can print it off and 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 dip into it, which is yeah. what I think a lot of pe- teachers do. I think Bernie, you've really offered some um, awesome uh, information here to help our new teachers who are listening in understand a bit more about these levels and you've given them some tips and some websites and information in which they can use so really appreciate that thank you very much it's a great pleasure i hope i've helped a little bit oh for sure Uh, but it is it's a very very interesting subject i think they'll they'll get hooked Good. Yes, let's hope so. Let's, let's hope so. We, <laughs> yes. we'd, I'd love to hear from anybody if, uh, if they want to drop me a note and let us know if you're using these frameworks. I'll pass that message on to Bernie. Thank you very much. It'd be lovely to hear. Right, wonderful. Thank you so much, Bernie. Really lovely to speak to you today. You're welcome. <laughs>